Welcome to the show, Amelia South. So you are an herbalist and professional forager. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what exactly a professional forager is? Well, um, first I have to explain what foraging is, just in case anybody doesn't understand. Um, foraging is uh, when you when you go out in the woods, in the wild, or actually even in a public area, although you have to be careful if somebody prayed, sprayed pesticides or anything. But uh, basically, you're going out in the wild and picking food for yourself and mm -hmm. finding food, finding food out in the wild. There are people that I guess technically you can forage meat if you like go shoot a squirrel or something, but I don't do that. I, I focus on plants and mushrooms usually. Um, and I'm not a mycologist, but I do know probably at least a good dozen or so mushrooms really well, well enough to recognize and positively identify them to the point where I'm not afraid to pick them and eat them. Um, and I, I know hundreds of plants, I guess. I don't know. I'm, a, I'm not a botanist. I'm a forager. So I kind of focus on things that are in my general area that I know I'm going to recognize. And I started getting into this. Um, honestly, I started in 2006 when I was poor and I couldn't afford food. <laughs> <laughs> I started learning how to forage because wild food is free. They can't police you from, you know, they can't really stop you. In some areas they can, but for the most part, nobody cares if you're a crazy, dirty hippie picking stuff, you know, on the side of the road or in a field or whatever. Um, and I found, like, I started off with just blackberries, which, honest to God, blackberries and raspberries are probably everybody's first introduction to foraging. The, the foraging mm -hmm. drug gets you when you find raspberries out in the wild. And they grow so prolifically all over the country, so it doesn't really matter, like, where you are. You're going to be able to find something in that rubus family, blackberries or uh Blue, um, raspberries or wineberries or um, thimbleberries. There's, they all look the same, those little, you know, round balls. And um, as long as it's something that you can actually positively identify and you know, hey, I can eat this thing, that starts to get you into it. Most people get started with foraging because they're interested in food. And that's how I started. And that's totally fine. That's totally normal. I just also realized that I was completely surrounded by plants that could heal me. Um, one of my favorite, um, herbalist teachers, uh, David Winston says the worst weeds are your best friends. So the weeds in your, in your garden or in your yard that are just the worst that you're constantly ba battling and fighting and pushing back. Most of those are actually really highly medicinal plants that are probably like the plant is trying to tell you something like, Hey, you need me. You should harvest me and, you know, work with me as medicine. <laughs> Gotcha. So, yeah. so uh, where are you located? I'm in Connecticut. I have a small organic farm in Connecticut. Yeah. All right. Then. So when you go foraging, where exactly do you go foraging? Are you just like in a wilderness? I, because... I'm not in the middle of the woods. I'm in a kind of like suburban area, but I'll tell you, there's a couple of places I go foraging. Um, mm -hmm. I do. I qualify part of the foraging honestly in my yard on my property because because i'm organic i don't spray anything i haven't sprayed anything in the seven years since i've lived here um everything is organic so plants will just randomly show up on my property and i find them and i if it's something that i recognize then yay that's great if not i learn about that plant and i try to figure out what it is you know does this have medicinal value or can i eat it or um, a lot of times a plant will just show up um in your yard and that plant is actually trying to tell you something again. So it's it's trying to say, hey, you need me in some way. And um, so I, I will like, 
I know I say I have a farm and I do have a farm and I do plant vegetables and I, I raise poultry and things, but a lot of the herbs that I work with medicinally kind of just show up. So they show up here. I have a small part of my property is woods and, and small, um, you know, area of growing and whatnot. I also go to some of the local state and town parks. Um, and because I'm a foraging instructor, I end up at people's houses all the time. Like people invite me to their house to teach them what's available at their property. And if we come across a patch of something and I say, oh gosh, I need that really bad. They're like, oh yeah, go for it. We don't care. <laughs> you know. So I find things on people's private property that uh, foraging on private land is fantastic because then, you know, the state hasn't come in and sprayed anything or, um, you know, if, if they don't even know what they're looking at, it's like, it's almost like virgin land that these people had no idea what they were sitting on. And I don't steal anything from them. It's just, oh, look at this big patch of, you know, uh, Usnia lichen, or we just found a whole bunch of goldenrod or something like that. And I'll get to harvest from there. Gotcha. So you said uh, medicinal, and you also mentioned about healing yourself. Was getting into foraging, was it a way, were you suffering from some kind of ailment? Um, not at first. Getting into foraging was uh, it introduced, you know, it, from poverty. But um, when I I had my daughter in two thousand nine, and I I did I had to start learning about herbal medicine a little bit here and there because um, I don't know if you have any kids. If you ever have a baby, you cannot give like anything to a baby over the counter. There's nothing in the drugstore that you can give safely to an infant. So if that baby is having issues. It's just you and maybe breast milk and some herbs. And that's all you got to deal with for at least like the first six months of their life. So I started dabbling and learning herbalism. I got really, really into it in 20, 2018, the end of 2018, when I was losing my health insurance. Mm. So I had no more health insurance. And I said, okay, well, you know what? It's, it's a choice between attempting to, on, on low income, attempting to spend $500 a month on an insurance policy or I could spend $500 on this one course and learn how to heal myself naturally, you know, with herbs. And I just said, the heck with it. I, I invested in my education and I went without health insurance for a few years. Um, I've since then I, I've been, I've taken multiple courses. I mean, I got really into it. I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. And learning how to heal yourself always starts. And most people don't want to hear this, but it always starts with your diet what you're eating, what you're putting into your body, because food is medicine. Food is absolutely the first medicine, the only medicine that everybody eats and everybody ingests. So being being, being careful and knowledgeable about the foods that you're putting in your body is really important. Yeah, I agree. So you said you, you learned how to heal yourself medicinally. What kind of herbs, the common herbs are you finding and taking and what are the benefits of them? Um, well, one of the things that just about anybody anywhere in the country is going to be able to find is an herb called plantain. Um, it's There's three different varieties. There's one that's natural, uh, sorry, native to the United States, and then there's, there's two that came over here from Europe, um, and that is Plantago Major, which is the the wide leaf one, Plantago Lanceolata, which is the long skinny one, and then Plantago Rugilii, which is the native one that the Native Americans um, used to work with. So all of those are available all over the place. I mean, my yard is full of them. They like to grow. Um, they call it white man's footprint because uh, it likes to grow in really trampled ground. So you're going to find it often in um, crappy parts of your backyard 
or near driveways or parking lots, which is where not the best place to be foraging. But if you can find an old back road, you know, that, that used to be highly trafficked and it's not anymore, that's a good place to look. Or if you've got some areas in your backyard where you just know that they happen to pop up, that's a good place to go because, you know, you're not spraying them. Um, Plantago is uh, probably my favorite herb, honestly, and it's just so ubiquitous. It's absolutely everywhere, and anybody can work with this herb. You just pick the leaf. If you have um, if you have a bug bite, a bee sting, a wasp sting, any kind of insect attack, if you have a, a small a scratch, you hurt yourself somehow, you just find a leaf of plantain. Put it in your mouth, chew it up for a second until it's mush, and then you put that on the bee sting or the bug bite or the uh, the scratch. It heals your wounds. It stops the itching. It stops the pain. It's amazing, and that grows absolutely everywhere. And that's again one of my favorite herbs. I I always make an infused oil with that every year. Um, dandelion is another one. Um, most people have seen or heard of a dandelion. All parts of a dandelion are edible and medicinal. So, <laughs> and a lot of people don't know that. So dandelion root, uh, you want to dig the dandelion roots up in the fall. Right now is the perfect time to be digging up dandelion roots. And those are a liver cleansing herb. They help support your liver function. Um, my favorite thing to do with dandelion root is actually chop it up and roast it in the oven. Because if you roast it like uh, about half an hour at 350 degrees, it it totally changes the flavor. It goes from being a strong, bitter, medicinal herb to tasting like a coffee kind of thing, like chocolate, chocolate coffee. It's absolutely mm. amazing and delicious. And it's free. Everybody, there's dandelions everywhere. That's another one that came over here from Europe. And I'm like, just like, I don't care. I'm going to harvest as much as I want. It's not like it's endangered. Um, the leaves also help uh, support your kidney function. And the flowers are, um, number one, they're edible. You can make um, fritters with them or whatever. But uh, I like to just eat the flowers. They're also really fantastic moisturizing, sorry, moisturizing agents. And they help, they have some slight uh, pain killing properties. So dandelions are fantastic. Rose hips, every rose that grows everywhere. Uh, once the petals fall off, it turns into the fruit of the rose is a rose hip. Those are ridiculously high in vitamin C. So you can make um, tea with them or you can make a, a cough syrup with them. Uh, that's another one. Mullen. M-U-L-L-E-I-N is a very common uh, weedy herb that came over here from Europe. Again, um, I, I like to work with the stuff that's like invasive or um, naturalized. So like people are picking this stuff out of their yards as a weed and they, they, they don't know what it is. They don't like it. They just know that it's not what's supposed to be there. You you pick that and it's, it's medicine. It's medicine and it's free medicine. The leaves of mullen are... Um, super famous for being fantastic to help heal uh, a dry cough. If you've got that kind of, <laughs> you can't stop coughing, but there's, it's not productive. It's not like you're feeling the the crap in your chest. Um, mm -hmm. That's going to be a mullen kind of cough, or it helps with people with COPD. It helps people. Um, it does help with asthma um, and any kind of that dry cough. And the flowers uh, you can, you can harvest the flowers and make an oil to help heal ear infections. Um, so, and inner ear problems and the root is supposed to be helpful for back pain. I haven't experimented with it enough yet to give you a 100% on that, but, uh, yeah. And my favorite is, is birch. I work with birch, birch bark. That's just a tree that grows everywhere here in like the Northeastern and middle of the United States. So, um, birch bark is medicinal, uh, best pain killing agent I've ever experienced in my life. Um, so yeah, there's, there's plants absolutely everywhere. Food is free. Medicine is free. 
if you know what you're looking for. And that's what I try to teach people with all my online classes and all my online content. So Birch, how do you go about like, cause do you eat the bark or do you prepare? No, no, I, I, I either tincture it or I make an infused oil um, with it. And uh, if the, the best painkiller plant you're ever going to hear of or, or find is wild lettuce, uh, Lactuca verosa or Lactuca canadensis. And I'm sold out of that. I made like two and a half, three gallons of it from June to August. And I sold out in a month. So many people have chronic pain and pain issues, but I just, I, there's only so much I can make because I harvest sustainably. I don't go out and clear cut things and just take everything because that's, that's not okay. I, I harvest respectfully and sustainably. So I only take as much as I think I need or as much as I think my clients and my customers need. Birch is fantastic because um, I, again, with it, with any kind of bark medicine, um, which uh, willow bark, people have heard of willow bark, um, saying willow bark is aspirin. It's not the same. There's a long story behind that, but that would be the medicinal part of willow is the bark. You don't want to ever take bark from the trunk of the tree, from the Mm -hmm. very, like the base trunk, because that will kill the tree. What you want to do is find a tree that where you can reach some of the branches, the smaller branches. And I usually pick branches that are like no thicker than my finger at the most, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll cut a few of those branches off and I take those home and I chop them up or I strip the bark, whichever part uh, I need. And I, I turn that into an in- infused oil or an infused um, tincture. All right. Then. So how do you how, how do you know it's safe to consume? Because I know so many people spray chemicals like Roundup or other oh, absolutely. kind of pesticides. Stay away from Roundup. Anywhere that you think there's a possibility they used Roundup, definitely do not forage there. Um, so it's it's very sketchy to be going into like a town park, the town green or something. Like I did a video a month or so ago going into the town park in my town. And um, I just showed people and like, and I had a couple of people yelling at me like, no, 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 don't forage there. Don't forage there. They probably sprayed it. And I said, look, I get it. The point of this is I'm trying to show you that the plants that are edible grow here. They grow all over the place. They're all around us, but you have, you do have to be careful. So um, there are some, parks state parks or hiking trails or um as long as it's not a very heavily trafficked area they probably are not spraying spraying it you can usually like if you're worried about it you can call your town and say hey are you guys spraying roundup at this park i just want to stay away from it for my own health or whatever um but and definitely i i always advocate for never spraying any chemicals in your own lawn your own property if you if you have any property at all you don't spray chemicals there are a million natural ways to either get rid of um, pests or whatever you think is weeds. I'll tell you though, right now, if you, even if you've only got like a quarter of an acre sitting in your, you know, your backyard or an eighth of an acre, you've probably got what you think are weeds in your yard that are medicinal and they're there to heal you and you're ignoring them. (laughs) Gotcha. So um, is it possible to properly clean these things and like wash pesticides off? Or well, should you just not bother? Honestly, I mean, I guess you, technically more than half of the um, fruits and vegetables that people are eating from the store, even if they're organic, they have had some kind of pesticide sprayed on them. So you're getting a lot more pesticides in your body than you think you are. How So uh, the, the, the safest course is to try to find areas that you know have not been sprayed 
And like I said, there's, I guarantee there's going to be some area, there's even parts of Central Park, I'm sure, that they're not putting Roundup on every single thing. Um, you know, th there's, there's got to be some place, even if you're in a city, that you could safely um, forage for things. Because look for, like, if you're, if you're in a city and you're, down, you're downtown in a city, you know how there's, they always plant a tree like every 15 feet or something like that. And mm. then there's that little, little tiny square of soil that they give to the tree roots to be out. Um, I, I can almost guarantee you they're not going to sit there and spray Roundup on that. Although a dog's probably peed on it a bunch of times and you don't want to be eating that either. So I'm just saying yeah. in that, if you find like a raised one, sometimes I've been in some cities that have um, big raised flower bed areas and they, those are up. And a lot of times those will have weeds in them. And they'd probably thank you for picking the weeds out of there while you're sitting here going, haha, I'm going to eat this. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, so yeah. you, you said natural pesticide. What are some natural pesticides that people all right, can so make? That you can make to, to yeah. all right. So you're are you talking about getting rid of insects or fungus? Uh, let's say, let's talk about both of them. Let, okay. Let's talk about insects first. So if you want to stop insects from eating whatever vegetables, even if you're just growing something in a pot and you've got an insect problem, there's a couple of easy things you can do. Um, there's diatomaceous earth, which you can buy just about anywhere. It's like this white powder. It's basically um, ancient old uh, seawater bugs, insects that have turned into dust. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain it over the um, internet, but diatomaceous earth uh, basically... If, a, if an insect walks across the diatomaceous earth, it cuts their body up like glass and they die. Mm. So you can sprinkle some of that like it does. It's not going to hurt you, but you can sprinkle some of that onto your plants. And then when insects crawl across it, they die. So it's not going to, you know, uh, uh, but you do have to reapply it if it rains or something like that. There's that. Um, you can do just like a soap spray, which is literally just a little bit of your dish soap in a spray bottle with some water, shake that up and spray your plants with that. Because what that does is make the leaves taste bad to the uh, insects. There's another one you can do uh, that I've done a few times where I just get some garlic and some onions and like, you know, one or two really hot peppers, jalapeno or serrano or something like that. Chop them up, kind of just half-ass chop them up, stick them in a pot with some water and boil that for a little while, like half an hour, 45 minutes. And then you strain it out. And that water, once it's cooled down, is going to be super spicy, super garlicky and oniony. And that repels insects and a lot of uh, like mice and things. They're not going to want to eat it. Birds too sometimes might not want to eat it. So that's mm -hmm. like a garlicky kind of spray that you can do. Um, if you want to, if you have weeds in your yard, like Say you've got poison ivy coming up in your backyard and you don't want that there. I don't blame you at all. You want to get rid of the poison ivy. Um, all you got to do is get some vinegar. Get yourself one of those like gallon size white vinegar and get an empty spray bottle. Fill it with the white vinegar and then go out there and spray that poison ivy. Spray it every day until it dies <laughs> because that the white vinegar kills weeds. You can, you can use white vinegar to kill the weeds in your sidewalk if you've got weeds popping up in your sidewalk, any, anywhere like that. You don't need Roundup. Vinegar works. <laughs> gotcha. So what about fungus? Is that, how do we Fun get rid of fungus? Um, fungus is a little bit more difficult. The, the best thing that I've found so far that helps with getting rid of fungus is either going to be a just straight garlic spray, like really concentrated garlic that you can buy it or you can try to make it yourself. Um, or a copper spray, like co copper sulfate. You, you have to buy that at like a garden store. And it's it's basically just powdered copper that you mix in with some water and spray that on your plants. That'll help um, kill the fungus, fungal infection. 
All right, then. But that being said, there are some fungus or mushrooms that you do forage. What? Oh, um, yeah. Well, when I said fungus that you want to get rid of, I'm, I'm thinking of like black or brown spots on your leaves, on your trees or something like something that's attacking something that you're trying to grow. Uh, uh, fungus also, yeah, is mushrooms. Um, mushrooms, as you know them, like if you close your eyes and you picture a mushroom, the thing that you are picturing is the fruiting body. That's the part that you would eat. If it was an edible mushroom, that's the part that you would eat. Or if it's a medicinal mushroom, that's the part that you would turn into medicine. You can also make um, the mycelium into med medicine. Um, mycelium is basically the roots. So if you picture a mushroom being like a tree, like the, the fruiting body is the part that you see above the ground. The mycelium is the root system underground. And the mycelium is always going to be way bigger and more complex. Um, there's going to be a lot more to it. But there are some companies that make mushroom extracts and, you know, they sell medicinal mushroom uh, powders or pills or whatever made with mycelium. And it's not that the mycelium is not medicinal. It is. It's just fast. It grows faster than the fruiting body. And it's easier and quicker to, to um, you know, keep growing over and over, get more of the mycelium, just the root part. Whereas the fruiting body, you have to wait for that um, mycelium to be ready to fruit. Uh, so this is all just mushrooms. Um, I would suggest if you are interested in taking medicinal mushrooms for some reason, and I do, I make my own and I, I want, they're wonderful. Um, they're uh, immune boosting, cancer fighting, all kinds of great things you can get out of medicinal mushrooms. But I would highly recommend anybody that's interested in doing that, uh, look at the bottle or look who, whatever, um, the person had, um, says on their label, uh, it should say made with the fruiting body, not made with mycelium. If it's made with mushroom mycelium, it's it's not that it's not going to work. It's just not going to be even half as strong as it is if it's made with the fruiting body. That is like the super highly medicinal part. That's what I make my mushroom tinctures out of. <laughs> gotcha. So what are some of the common mushrooms that people should look out for and what would their benefits be? Um, things that just about anybody could probably find are something going to be like a, a puffball, which is they they come in all different sizes and varieties. Puffball mushrooms look just like a ball. It's like, mm -hmm. it almost looks like a soccer ball, but it's totally white. Um, some of them are small. Most of the ones I've ever found are like little clusters of small balls. They're either like totally white or like a tan on the outside. Um, you would want to pick, pick one take a knife. I always keep a pocket knife on me, cut it in half. And if that mushroom inside is white, like pure white, then it's an edible puffball mushroom. Usually um, you, you do always want to keep a mushroom book or something beside you just to double check. Um, but that's, that's the, the main way to recognize a, a puffball mushroom. Definitely. Um, let's see. Re reishi isn't super difficult to find, um, but that's around me where there's a lot of hemlock trees growing. Ganoderma tsuge is the the Latin name. That's another thing. You guys, really, if you're re if you're going to get into this, I highly recommend you. You don't have to learn Latin, but you definitely want to learn the Latin name of the plant that you're looking for, because there are a lot. There there are several plants that have that share a common name, and if you think you've found winterberry, um, and you're looking for this winterberry and you want to eat this winterberry, you better make darn sure that it's the edible winterberry and not the winterberry that can kill you. Mm -hmm. I talk about that. I have a foraging ebook that I talk about um, 23 commonly, uh, commonly misidentified edible and medicinal plants, where I talk about just that and how critical it is for you to um, 
pay attention to the Latin name of the plant because the Latin name of a plant is going to be the same no matter where you are in the entire world. You can go to Mongolia and the Latin name of that plant is going to still be the same and you know as as it is in America. So that's why it's critical. Um, let's see a couple other mushrooms. You might be able to find um, trumpets or chanterelles, which is it looks kind of like a little. It's like a tall stock with a, it looks like the end of a trumpet on it. Um, those both look very similar. Chanterelles are orange. Um, black trumpets are black. So those are yeah. some that I find commonly around here. Um, everybody wants to find morels. I've only found morels once. Um, those are like white, whitish on the bottom and like this kind of cone on the top. Um, it's it's a it's a very choice edible mushroom. It's probably one of the tastiest uh, edible mushrooms ever. I actually found a lot of oyster mushrooms this year. Those are another common one that you find on oak and hickory and, and maple. Um, those kind of grow like a little shelf stack. Oh, chicken of the woods. That's another one. It's called chicken of the woods because it tastes like chicken. <laughs> um, yeah. When you fry it up, you can make like chicken fingers with it and it tastes just almost exactly like you're eating chicken. It's really cool. That's interesting. So if somebody eats something that's not good for them, like let's say they they eat a mushroom or a winter berry that is poisonous, what should they do? What steps should they take? Uh, I would call the poison control center. Yeah. Um, you can eat this. There's, there's a, a saying among foragers. You can eat any mushroom once. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. There, there are some mushrooms out there that if you eat them, you will die. Yeah. Absolutely. But that's why, again, like I said, there are hundreds of thousands of mushrooms in this world. And I can positively identify like 12. So hmm. people get all excited, like, oh, my gosh, you know about mushrooms. And I'm like, I really don't know that much about mushrooms, honestly. Maybe 15 of them I can do. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just I try to put my focus and energy into one being 100% certain I am positive that I have identified this mushroom and this is a good mushroom to eat. And I know that this is it. If it's something that you don't recognize, don't eat it. Don't even I mean, it's not going to kill you to pick it. That's another thing I want to tell everybody, like touching a mushroom is not going to kill you. Even even if it's a toxic mushroom, just touching it is not going to kill you. It only is going to kill you if you eat it. OK, so don't mm -hmm. freak out if you like. Oh, you found a, a deadly gallerina and you touched it. You're not going to die. It's fine. <laughs> it's not going to like soak through your skin and poison you. It's only gonna, it's only going to kill you if you eat it. Gotcha. So, what about? I know some mushrooms have like psychedelic effects. Or yeah, like I don't that. really do that. That's that is a psilocybin mushroom. I've never found one out in the wild, or if I have, I didn't recognize it. Um, I'm not really into that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not judging you. I, I'm not saying anybody can't be. It's just not something that I've personally focused on. I've I've been more more in the um, like reishi, birch polypore, chaga, um, maitake. Um, what's some other turkey tail? Turkey tail is my favorite medicinal mushroom. Those are you f found all over the country. Um, you can find them in Canada too. So the, the I I focus on the ones that are gonna benefit me and benefit the people that I'm I'm working with more. There's a lot of people that are concerned about either having cancer or trying to fight cancer or make sure they don't get cancer. And that's why I work with those specific mushrooms. I had thyroid cancer about two years ago. I had to have my thyroid removed. And ever since then, I've been taking turkey tail tincture every single day. And it has been absolutely helping me. I've I have helped people with my turkey tail tincture. It's just the thing about medicinal mushroom tinctures when you're taking them 
it builds up in your system over time. There are some herbs that you can take medicinally that like have an effect on your body right away. Like if you're coughing and you take some mullein tincture, you immediately stop coughing. That's awesome. Um, and I love it. But with mushrooms, it takes like a few weeks to build up in your system. And then all you're going to, you're not even going to really notice a difference. Honestly, you're just going to start noticing that people around you are getting really sick and you either don't get sick or you don't get very sick. You know what I mean? Your immune system's like way stronger than everybody else's and you're not getting that sick very often. Whereas everybody else is just, you know, on the floor and out for the count. Gotcha. So what about like buying these kind of things from the store? Like I know there are like places like Whole Foods or Trader Joe's where you can buy this kind of stuff. Is it better to forage it? Because I imagine if you buy it from the store, it might be ultra processed and it might lose. Its... Well, it depends. Are you talking about the plants themselves or like the like dried mushrooms or dried? Yeah, like uh, dried mushrooms. Material? Like, for example, there's this thing I have called mushroom coffee. Oh, and yeah. I wonder yep. if I'm actually getting the full benefit of it because it's processed well, you know? some of them some of them are better than others honestly but um the mushroom coffee is not bad i've heard i've heard good things about a, a few of the different brands and if it's working for you if it's helping you if it's making you feel better and it's doing your you know your caffeine intake or whatever um keep up with it you know it's it, it's it's an individualized kind of thing um anything any food whether it's a mushroom or a plant any food type thing that you find out in the wild is going to be um, stronger in vitamins and minerals. It's it's going to be way more nutritionally viable for you than anything cultivated. And the reason for that is that these these weeds or these other plants that are growing out in the wild, they they have figured out that um, they pick where they want to grow, and they're growing in a spot where they know they can get the the minerals and vitamins and nutrition that they need from the soil. Whereas when you're growing in a, in a farm or a garden, and I've been farming for 10 years, so trust me, I know this stuff. Um, when you're growing in a farm or a garden or something, even if it's just your garden bed, you have put the soil there or you have amended the soil. You have put fertilizer or compost or whatever it is on the soil. So you think there's enough there, but then you are picking which plants you want to put in your garden. And it's, it's entirely possible that those plants don't want to be in that soil. They might want different soil. They might want something better. They would do better somewhere else. And then you're sitting there and you're picking out the dandelions that keep showing up in your garden. And 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 realistically, I would sit there and go, oh, the dandelions want to be here? Go for it, dandelions, because dandelion greens are delicious and they're really good for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you know, if that if if some plant wants to be there and it keeps showing up, look into that plant you know, and see, hey, maybe this is something I can eat. And maybe it actually is going to do way better than any of the, the lettuce or whatever I'm trying to grow is going to do. All right. So um, earlier, just now, you just mentioned about how you said that these herbs and these mushrooms, they if you need them, they will grow in your yard, they will mm-hmm. find you yeah. So is it like a spiritual aspect? To There's this? definitely Yeah. And this is not all herbalists believe that but a lot of us do um it it just it just tends to happen if you've lived somewhere like if you just move into a brand new house whatever's growing in the yard there don't you can't assume that that they're there just for you because you just moved there but if you've lived in a house and you've got a little bit of a yard and you've lived there for a few years something's going to start showing up that needs to be there and if if a plant suddenly just shows up in your yard and you just 
or or if you are out in your yard and you suddenly start to notice a plant that you've never noticed before, that is a sign spiritually that that plant wants you to notice it, wants you to know it's there and say, all right, at the very least, Google it, you know, do, use a plant app or something on your phone and try to figure out what that plant is. Once in a while, you're going to come across something like, oh, I want to see what this is. And it's like, you know, some weird poison ivy or like bittersweet vine or something invasive. But mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, it's going to be something that you're like, oh, hey. And, and, and you know, once you identify that plant, the name of the plant, just uh, type into Google the name of that plant plus medicinal value or whatever. And it's going to come up with a list of a lot of times this happens to people. Um, you know, barberry showed up in my garden. What the heck is this thing? It's got covered in thorns. I better pull this out. And then it turns out, oh, barberry is really high in berberine. Berberine is the same stuff as golden seal. And that helps your body fight off uh, infections and all this other, uh, like, oh my gosh, I have this horrible infection and I've been dealing with these antibiotics from the doctor and it's not helping. Maybe I can help. Maybe this plant is here to help me. So, Yeah. So let's talk about uh, your business. So you you own your own farm. And yeah. I guess I just want to know where does the professional and being a professional forager, what, what, how do you make money doing this? Um, I don't make as much money as you would think doing the foraging. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, I offer a, a service to people in the area. So like the tri-state area, basically, I usually only go without an hour out or so, um, just maybe two hours at the most depends on how many people I'm teaching, but I, I, I will go out and meet your group either on somebody's property or at a local state park or wherever you want to meet up, or I will go to just this one person's house and I will take them around their backyard, their own woods, their own property and show them all the edible and medicinal plants that I recognize out there. So they're aware of that. And a lot of people love to, you know, take notes. They take a notebook with them. They take pictures. Um, they really want to know uh, because I can do the group classes and I do do group classes as well. But like there's a difference in your your learning retention where if I take you to the state park and I got 10 or 15 people around me at the state park, number one, there's a whole bunch of other people asking questions and they're, they're all trying to vie for my attention and try to figure out what's this do? What's that do? What's this for? Blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Plus, you're at an area that you don't see every day. So maybe you'll remember, maybe you won't. Whereas if you're at your own house, um, you know your backyard. You know that, oh, okay, I can go there and I can show you where this thing is growing. And you'll remember a week, two weeks, a few months down the road. Didn't Amelia say that this thing was growing over here? Oh, there it is. Yeah, I found it again. Because it's in your yard. It's in your space. And plus, then you have control over whether or not you're spraying and you know that it's safe to, to forage from there. Um, so I do I do a lot of private classes. I do one on one classes, things like that. But I also have um, I've been doing TikTok for two years now, and I have a large library of videos on TikTok um, and Facebook and other social media sites. So I have I compiled everything, all my videos into an online foraging course. So basically, if you're anywhere in the northeastern United States or into Canada or into the middle part of the United States, all these plants that I'm seeing are plants that you could recognize too. So you can go onto my website and get my foraging class and it's it's got over 240 videos in it right now. I keep adding more videos to that class. So every time I do more videos, I add it to the course. 
So people are paying that one price and they're ending up, you know, a year from now, it could have 400 videos in it. And you still have access to it because you bought the course. It's awesome. What are some places that you would love to go to forage that you haven't been? Well, I would love to go back to Washington State. I, I lived in Washington State. I actually was living there when I started learning how to forage back in 2006. I lived there for about four years and there I started getting into foraging and then I started hanging around a bunch of people, quote unquote, friends that like made fun of me for it. So I didn't do it for a while. And um, now that I have I'm older and I have more confidence about myself and my abilities, I would love to go back out there and just see what I can find because the plants are pretty similar since it's still in the nor the northern area. I mean, like I said, I'm in I'm in Connecticut and Washington is it's just northern United States area. But there's going to definitely be a bunch of stuff out there that I don't usually see. And I would love to go like out to Rainier or wherever and see some of the plants. Well, what about like in the Southwest or anything like that, like a different biome? I, I Yeah, I would be interested. And I've said, I've always said, like, I have no idea where life is going to take me. Someday I might move down there. I have no idea. Wherever I am, wherever I'm living, I'm going to learn the local fauna. And I'm going to study them and I'm going to find what I can eat in the wild and what I can make into medicine <laughs> because that's just, that's what I do. I recognize, I, I learn the plants, I recognize the plants and I want to work with the plants and build a relationship with those plants. Cause I'm, I'm also a, a, a crazy lady that talks to trees. So I, <laughs> I talk with the plants. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to, to see what's out there. Like if there's an area, I know there's not a lot in the desert, but I would love to see what's in like this, the Southwestern area and and go see that with somebody else that's experienced so they could show me which plants are what you know so you mentioned earlier that you had cancer so you you beat the cancer correct yeah uh i can tell you about that if you want <laughs> yeah well i just want to know when you were fighting the cancer was it were you totally into the alternative medicine were you was it only oh, yeah. herbs no or did you not use any medicine? no 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 i had um so just just the, the quickest of rundowns of what happened was um, for about five, six months or so, every time I swallowed, I felt like there was a lump in my throat. And I eventually got sick of that. And I said, I went to go see the doctor. And I said, I think it's, you know, right here. And she, she didn't know what I said. Maybe it's my thyroid. Can you check my thyroid? So she sent me in for an ultrasound. And then they, they saw a couple of lumps on my thyroid gland on, on the ultrasound. So they sent me in for a biopsy. They took a biopsy and they said, oh, yeah, this is a 50 percent chance it's cancer. So I ended up, um, I started taking more medicine, like turkey tail mushrooms and everything right away. Um, while I was waiting for the surgery, they decided to, to take out the left lobe of my thyroid gland. And they said, well, you know, the cancer could have could spread over here. It could spread over there. It could do all these other things. And I said, no, you can have the one side that you think has cancer, but you're not taking the other side because I want to keep my organs. And I, I said, unless you go in there and see cancer everywhere, whatever. And they didn't. I, I just kept taking my medicinal mushrooms. Um, they eventually, I had it removed. And when I woke up, the surgeon said to me, because I said, I kept telling him, I feel it, I feel it. And, and he said to me, he would have sworn that there was like way more cancer in there. He said it was one little pea-sized lump on that size, side of my thyroid. And he took it out. He said there was nothing in my lymphatic glands. There was nothing anywhere else. He said what happened was the lump of cancer had attached itself to the muscle in the side of my neck so that anytime I moved around or swallowed, I was feeling it. I was feeling the can because he and my endocrinologist both said, we don't know how the heck you 
you caught this. I have no idea. You must know your body really well because they said we wouldn't have caught this for at least three or four or five years even. And I said, well, good. I'm glad I got it out. And he, he actually, they, they buy out, they, they um, pulled it apart to make sure it was cancer. And they said, yeah, that no, none of the cancer had gone into the muscle or anything at all. It was just that little lump. And ever since then, again, I've been taking the turkey tail and trying to, to control cancer from growing again. And the uh, little tiny lump on the other side has been getting smaller. So I'm like, yay, I'm doing well so far with that. I, I highly recommend medicinal mushrooms. Absolutely. And I do sell some of those in my shop. Hey, sorry to interrupt. But are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds? Well, look no further. Bright Brains Podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product. You'll be able to reach a diverse and intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's brightbrains with a Z pod pod at gmail.com now back to the podcast thyroid what does your thyroid do your thyroid um control it 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 so it soaks up the the iodine in your body it controls your hormones honestly uh, your thyroid and your pituitary gland um and your liver are all things related to your hormones and your hormones is it's not just like your sex drive and things hormones control just about every aspect of your body you know, it's, it's when you wake up, when you sleep, those are all hormones. When um, it, is, it is your sex drive, it is your body's ability to um, procreate. It's your moods, your feelings, your emotions. That's all in the, the thyroid and the liver and the pituitary gland. So it's, it's a really important thing to take care of. Um, and again, the, the, the mushrooms just kind of help your body in general boost its immune system so that it's able to fight the cancer off. Do you feel like we as a people, like like Americans, we've moved away from nature? Oh, yeah. Um, why <laughs> why of... is that? Why is that? And how do we get back involved? Well, like... um, if you if you have a child or know a child, whether that's a nephew or niece or just a friend that's got a kid or something, start teaching children because that's going to help a lot. Um, if even if you're an adult and you want to start looking into this stuff. Um, there's a lot of free, free advice, free resources that you can find online on YouTube, TikTok, um, I'm sure on Facebook. Um, I, again, I, I teach all kinds of classes. You can check my stuff out. But um, <clears throat> they, they say more, more children these days recognize like a dozen company logos than a dozen plants. They have <laughs> removed a bunch of plant names from the children's dictionaries because kids don't care about plants anymore. And yeah. I'm just, my, I, I have a son and he's, he's the weird kid in his class because he recognizes half the plants that are outside because I've drilled it into him. You know, mm -hmm. he's the weird kid that likes to eat vegetables. You know, nobody else does that. Get your kids, excuse me, get your kids eating healthy foods. You want to eat healthy vegetables, healthy foods, go to the farmer's market, go out for a hike once a month, you know, go, go spend some time walking around in a field. Even if, even if your only exercise 
that you're able to do is a walk. See if you can find um, a lot of places have like a, a trail like through the woods and it's it's paved. But, you know, there's woods around you that you're seeing just getting out into nature in general um, without having a boombox playing or earbuds in or anything like that. Pay attention. Take a walk outside in any kind of nature and pay attention to what's going on around you. Just just just, just take a walk. Enjoy being in nature. God forbid, go barefoot. I love it when people go barefoot. I'm a, I'm a dirty barefoot hippie. I'm barefoot all the time. But uh, <laughs> grounding is fantastic. And there's all kinds of science behind how that helps um, fight inflammation and the pain in your body. Grounding is fantastic. But just get outside, go to a farm or go to a farmer's market, eat more vegetables and start start looking around you. Start, start paying attention. Like, hey, you know what? I heard this lady say dandelions are edible. Let's look up. Look, let's look that up and see what we can do. You know, because just about everybody can recognize a dandelion. Uh, acorns falling from the oak trees are edible. Oh, my gosh, you can eat acorns. That's so cool. Let's find out how we can do that. Look it up. Engage with yourself, your kids, your friends, and say, this is so cool. And you know what? If your friends try to tell you it's not cool, look them right in the eye and say, guess which one of us is going to survive the apocalypse? The one that knows how to eat <laughs> from the yeah. food in the forest. Exactly. Hey. Are there any kind of legal aspects people need to know about when foraging? Um, there are some areas, some some parks. A lot, I think, a lot of national parks. They say you're not allowed to forage, and that's fine. You don't. You um, look for a sign. Like if you if you go into a national park and there's a big sign that says "Do not forage, do not pick anything." Respect that, and don't you know? Don't do that. That's why I say um, it's it's helpful if you either know somebody that has a piece of property, even if all they have is like half an acre. You could still go check that out and see what's there as long as you know they're not spraying any chemicals um, or, or check out local farms. A lot of times you can you can go to a local small farm and say, hey, I'm interested in foraging. Do you guys do any foraging classes? Would you mind me walking around and seeing if I can find a bunch of dandelions or something? And a lot of them are pretty friendly and would let you do that. So Awesome. All right. Then. So where can people go to find you online and also to find your products? So there's, um, I have, I technically have three websites. My farm website kind of brings you to everything else. The ones that, that people are going to care about the most, um, are my, my online classes where I teach you, I can teach you foraging, herbal medicine making. I've, I do some gut health stuff. I have a stop smoking system, all kinds of great stuff available there. That's at herbalremediesbyamelia.com. And I'm saying it like an American, it's herbal with an H, H-E-R-B-A-L remediesbyamelia.com. I could, you could type it out. I'll send it to you. Um, that is all my online classes. And there's links to everything. Like if you scroll to the bottom, the link to my shop is there. The link to getting a consultation is there if you're interested in a consultation. Um, and my products, my physical, like my, my tinctures, teas, uh, flower essences, um, salves, and things like that are at blacksunfarmshop.com because my farm is Black Sun Farm. Uh, it's uh, so black b l a c k s u n f a r m shop s h o p dot com. So that's my physical products and things like that. But I love teaching you how to make all this stuff yourself. So that's that's a big thing that I like to do. And that's going to be at the Herbal Remedies website. All right. What about uh, social media? You said you're on TikTok. Yep, on TikTok. Um, I, I'm afraid to change my name at this point on TikTok. I started off TikTok like not knowing what the heck I was doing. My my name on TikTok is at the original meal chan. Um, if you t if you type in the search bar Amelia from Black Sun Farm, you'll find me. I'll come up. 
Um, but it's it, yeah, at the original meal chan, M-E-A-L-C-H-A-N. Um, and that's based off a nickname I had when I was a kid. Um, and on Facebook, it's at Black Sun Farm CT. Instagram is just Black Sun Farm. Um, and just just FYI, I'm Black Sun Farm because I'm a goth chick. I'm a farmer. <laughs> but now I'm a goth <laughs> farmer. I like to grow black tomatoes, black peppers, black carrots. I just I like the black vegetable, I black chickens, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, that's that's it. It's nothing like somebody told me, like, are you in a cult? And I was like, no, <laughs> I just like <laughs> black vegetables. It's cool. <laughs> gotcha. This has been a very enlightening uh, discussion. Um, before I let you go, what is one thing you wish people knew about foraging that we haven't really discussed right now? It's safer than you think it is. You just have to trust yourself. You're, you're, you are you are absolutely capable of doing it. You just have to learn a few things and trust yourself. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, this has been a great discussion. I really enjoyed this. You take care. Thank you. You too. You have a good one. You as well. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another enlightening conversation here on Bright Brains. I hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration your own bright ideas. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or however else you listen to this podcast. Also, we can be found on all major social media. Just type in Bright Brains with a Z. And remember, the brightest minds are those never stop seeking knowledge.